I'm Beth Davis. Welcome back to Teachable Tuesday, or maybe it's your first time. Welcome to Teachable Tuesday. I'm so glad that you're here. We are in the middle. We're at the beginning. We're at the beginning, really. I'm just a little hyped. Do you know what I mean? Uh, we're at the beginning of a brand new series. We're walking together through the Gospel of John, and today is all about John chapter 3. So we're doing something a little new. We're mixing it up. We're going deeper. We're getting in the Word. I'm feeling very dancey today. Um, so we're actually going to read John chapter 3 today uh, as a part of our opening prayer. And so I want to encourage you, grab a Bible. If you don't have your Bible, I just want you to simply sit and receive the Word. I'll read it to you. And I want you to be listening to God's Word because God's Word is living and active. It's, it's here for you. It's, uh, it's applicable to your life. It has something to say to you because God has something to say to you. So I want you to pay attention to those interior movements of your heart. What speaks to you? What stands out? You don't even have to understand it, but I want you to listen for what perks you up, what intrigues you. Sound good? This is Teachable Tuesday where we discover God's heart in his word and we conform our hearts to his. We conform our lives to his heart. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, would you illuminate our hearts, our minds, our lives? Would you speak something new, something fresh, word of encouragement, a correction, Lord, you know what we need, and you're speaking to us right here and right now in the Gospel of John, so uh, give us the grace, Lord, to receive the word that you're speaking today. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. And Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you. We speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things 
and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside and he spent some time there with them and baptized. John was also baptizing at Anon near Salim because water was abundant there. And people kept coming and were being baptized. John, of course, had not yet been thrown into prison. Now, a discussion about purification arose between John's disciples and a Jew. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, the one who is with you across the Jordan, to whom you testified, here he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, no one can receive anything except what has been given from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I have said I am not the Messiah, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. For this reason, my joy has been fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks about earthly things. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, yet no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted his testimony has certified this, that God is true. He whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has placed all things in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever disobeys the Son will not see life, but must endure God's wrath. We pray all these things in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's such a blessing to read the gospel again with you. Of course, I, like many of you, have been reading uh, John chapter 3 for a full week. And that's kind of what we're doing here. That's our new pattern, is that we're reading one chapter for one week. 
but we're reading that chapter every single day. We're really sitting and soaking in God's word. And as we stay in the word, God reveals, he unfolds, he gives us a new understanding. He really roots us uh, in that one chapter, even in that one verse, that one phrase, that one word. God wants to go deep in the Gospel of John. And as you can hear, the Gospel of John is already a deep well. So we're really giving uh, the Lord the time to unpack his word in our hearts and to plant it deeply in our hearts so that our hearts might be conformed to his heart as revealed in the word. So I'd love to hear your takeaway from John chapter 3. What has been sticking out to you? Uh, what caused you to question? Uh, what really perked up your heart or encouraged you? What does the Gospel of John chapter 3 mean to you? And I want you to really zoom in on a verse, a phrase, or a word. I want you to keep your focus really tight on the one thing that the Lord is saying to you and to go deep with that one thing. So share it in the comments, on YouTube, on Facebook, here on Instagram. We're doing this Bible study together. And now I wanna share with you what's been speaking to me. This week in John chapter three, to be totally honest with you, I was kind of all over the place. It's a long chapter. There's a lot happening. And I, I was drawn to many different things. My boy, John the Baptist, makes an appearance, right? He says uh, the line that, um, that I desire to, to sum up my whole life, he must increase, I must decrease. If you ever get an email from me, it's, it's my little sign off, it's my signature. Um, so you would think naturally that's where I would go. No, it didn't land there. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. I just sat in the mystery of that, that I'm the bride, that we the church are the bride, and that Jesus is the bridegroom, right? I so desire, especially in prayer, to just let Jesus take the lead, to be the bridegroom, and as his bride, to follow him wherever he goes. But no, that wasn't it either. Was it John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Oh, the, every word of that verse is so important. It was out of love that the father sent his son, and not only sent, but gave his son, it reveals so much of the heart of the Father. He gives, he gives and gives and gives. But where I wanna, where I wanna zoom in today, what's been powerful for me in the past is verse 12. And let me tell you a little story <laughs> to unpack the meaning of John chapter three, verse 12. You know, one of the benefits of reading scripture, of studying scripture, of staying in scripture and getting really familiar with the voice of God, the ways of God, is that God plants his word in our hearts. Even when I don't set out to memorize scripture, I find that his word comes back to me that God quotes himself, right? That he speaks in his word, again, because his word is living and active, it's alive. So I, I remember one day I was praying in the chapel and the Lord was saying something so beautiful to me. And really the fact that I can't remember exactly what he was saying to me proves my point here. Uh, I was having trouble believing something beautiful and true that Jesus, the way the truth and the life had said to me, you know, something like, I love you, <laughs> something like, you're so beautiful, 
something really foundational, right? Like I chose you. It was some basic uh, foundational truth about my identity, about my life in Christ. But um, I, I wasn't really believing it, right? <laughs> I, I wasn't really letting it take root. I, I, it wasn't changing me or affecting me. It wasn't moving me the way that really that I, I hope that it would. And I remember the Lord brought this verse to mind. I had never memorized it. It wasn't a verse that had particular significance of me. It was almost like I heard the echo of this verse, John chapter 3, verse 12. If I've told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? I had to look it up. I, I mean, I if I'm being totally honest, I Googled it. Like I remembered a part of it, but I wasn't sure where that was from. But I heard the Lord loud and clear. If, if I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? I just heard in that verse, the desire of God's heart to reveal himself, to share more with me, to entrust to me the secrets of his heart, the, the secrets of heaven, the truth, the beauty, and the goodness that is the faith. But I wasn't believing him about these simple, basic things like I'm loved, I'm wanted, I'm chosen by God, foundational beliefs. If I don't believe him about this, how can I believe him about these mysterious truths of heaven? How can I believe him about uh, what the church teaches when I don't understand, when it doesn't make sense in my own human understanding? If I don't believe him in his word, how can I believe him in my life, right? If we don't believe him about earthly things, how can we believe him about heavenly things? Now, the problem I run into when it comes to believing God, especially believing his love for me, especially believing that I can trust him, that he's good, right? Baseline, foundational truths about God. The problem is that what I do when I hear the Lord say these beautiful things, even when I read them in scripture, I, um, I don't believe them because I have a lot of evidence that would tell me otherwise. I have my own experience, right? When people told me something else, when I hoped for something and it didn't work out, I was disappointed. So I, I have this evidence kind of lined up and I'm ready to show the Lord, to tell the Lord, no, that can't be true because this happened to me. That's nice, Lord. You have to say that because you made me, you're my father, that's what dads say. But, you know, nobody else seems to see that, God. So I don't really believe you. I think you're biased. I would say that to the Lord in prayer. Like, you have to say that to me. You're biased. You, you see things that other people don't see, so maybe that's there, but it's just not my experience. I, I was giving authority to my experience. More often than that, I was giving authority to my feelings, to my beliefs, to my negative self-talk, right? If, if I didn't choose to believe it, if it didn't feel right with me, and it didn't line up with my experience, how could I believe God? And I wonder if you've run into the same thing. If you too are giving authority in your life to your feelings and to your experience, instead of giving the authority to the word of God. 
instead of believing God. This is a theme throughout the whole Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is all about belief. This Gospel is different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic Gospels that have many of the same uh, parables, the same stories, the same accounts. John is different because the purpose is that you might believe. He's trying to capture our hearts through this beautiful language, through these deeper insights into the, the person of Jesus, uh, the ministry of Jesus, the heart of God as revealed in John. He's getting after something different. He's getting after our belief. And you hear that again and again in John chapter 3. You hear it again and again. This, uh, this call, this encouragement, this challenge to believe. And the thing about belief is, the thing about faith is that it, it requires trust. We have to put our trust, we have to believe something that doesn't maybe feel right, that, that doesn't sit right with our experience, it doesn't line up with our feelings, but we have to choose to believe that Jesus, who is the truth, is telling the truth, and that his word is true, that his way is better, even if we can't see it, even if we can't understand it. So often in prayer, we want answers. We want to know uh, the how and the when and the why and the who. We want to know all of the things before we believe. But Jesus is, is asking us in the Gospel of John, particularly in John 3, to believe because he said it, to believe him. Will you take me at my word? Will you read my word and believe my word as it pertains to you, your identity, your life, the church, the world? Will you believe me over everything else, any other voice, any other thing that might present itself as truth? Will you choose to believe me over anything or anyone else? We hear that word belief five or, or six times. You know, it struck me in the beginning of John chapter three, this is like verses one through 10, before verses one through 11. Jesus three times, four times, very truly, I tell you. He's saying, I'm telling you the truth. He, he's saying, what I'm about to say is absolutely true. I wouldn't lie to you. I tell you the truth. Listen to me, I'm telling the truth. Then verse 12, if I've told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? Friends, Jesus is pleading for our trust. He's asking us to take him at his word, to believe his word deeper than that, to believe his heart for us, even if it doesn't make sense. Even if we can't yet see still we will believe. In fact, he goes on, and John the Baptist backs this up, that, that we cannot inherit the kingdom without belief. We cannot go, we cannot be in relationship with Jesus without belief. There's no halfway. We have to choose to believe. Again and again, this word belief comes up in John 3, and pay attention to this concept, to this call to believe in all of the Gospel of John. So I want to talk today very practically about how you can believe. You can believe God at his word. And I've already hinted at this. It's really what we're doing for the next few months in the Gospel of John. I'm going to ask you to sit and to soak.
to sit and to soak. And I mean something very specific with each of those words. I want you to sit in Jesus' presence. I want you to spend time with him every day. But in particular, I want to ask you to sit in his Eucharistic presence. If you've been around for any length of time, you've probably heard me invite you, implore you to get a holy hour, to make a commitment to sit with Jesus, his true presence in the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Jesus is alive. His sacred heart is, is waiting for you. His pierced heart, his beating heart is waiting for you in the Eucharist, in any tabernacle all over the world, you can go and you can be with Jesus in the flesh. So I want you to go and, and to sit and to be with him in his presence. Think of it like dating. In the beginning, you're attracted to someone. And then you start talking to them and, and you learn their little quirks. You hear the sound of their voice. You find more things to like. And as you spend time, maybe you, you bump up against things that you're not quite in union yet, right? You, you come up with um, your own wounds come to the surface and you maybe start acting out. Things aren't totally clicking, but you persevere. You make a commitment to that person in love. And in marriage, over time, you see more sides of that person's face, more aspects of their personality. You come to know them in a deep way, a way that you couldn't possibly have known them on first acquaintance, but it happened over time by spending time in an intimate way, unveiling your hearts to one another in the middle of trials, right? When the stress is there, you see a new side of that person's face. You, you come to rely on them in a, a different way. And the same is true in our relationship with the Lord. It happens, it, it grows, it unfolds, it blooms over time. But you have to spend time with him. So I want you to go <laughs> to see Jesus in the flesh in Eucharistic adoration, to sit in his sacred presence, to fall in love with the bridegroom, and to receive your identity as his bride, his beloved, so often with this, the things of faith, we do them in a hurry or we do them uh, while we're doing something else, right? But I, I want to ask you to go and to just be with Jesus and not to fill your holy hour with lots of doing, but to sit in your holy hour and be. Just be, just exist, just look at him and let him look at you. To actually take time out of your day, out of your week, to be with Jesus, not to do and to be, to be with Jesus in his presence, to fall in love with him and to realize, to receive the love that has been pursuing you since before the foundation of the world. And this week, I want to invite you to soak, soak in his word. That's what we're doing for the next few months. Uh, so maybe you've been with us from the beginning, week one, chapter one. Maybe you're just getting on board today. I want to invite you to soak in the word. I've said it before. I'll say it again. One chapter for one week, but to read that chapter every single day. You might feel bored. You might feel restless. You might think, I've already heard this, but just 
I promise you, stay with it. Soak in it. Don't rush through it. Notice what's happening as you're reading God's word. If you're bored, tell Jesus, I'm bored. If you're confused, tell Jesus, I don't get it. But remember that the word of God, which is living and active, you're not reading it alone. The Holy Spirit is the author. He inspired the word. He breathed the word. So every time you sit down, sit, I want you to sit, not on the run, right? I want you to sit down. Maybe I would encourage you to even open a Bible, to have it in your hands. When you sit in his Eucharistic presence, when you soak in his word, invite the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to hear what he wants you to hear, to know what he wants you to know, to give you the faith to believe what he wants to, you to believe, the truth that he's, uh, the truth that he's imparting here that will change our lives. Grant us the grace to believe it. Friends, I want to ask you today, I want to leave you with this question. What do you need to believe? What is it that when Jesus says it, maybe in the word or, or maybe you've heard this from the Lord in prayer, you've had a sense of it from, from God in prayer, what do you need to believe? Do you need to believe that he loves you? He loves you. You hear that God is love. You might hear God say, I love you, just very simply, intimately, just whisper to your heart, I love you right now. Through me, he's saying that to you, I love you. But if you feel this, um, these walls go up, this self-protection, you need the, the grace, the help to believe that he loves you, tell him that. Do you need to believe that he has a good plan for your life? Is that what you need to believe? That, that all of this suffering, all of this waiting, it's not for nothing. Tell Jesus, I need to believe your word. When you say that you have a, a good plan for my life, I need to believe that you're taking care of everything. Maybe you need to believe that you're not alone. You just feel so lonely. It's your experience that no one understands you, that people abandon you. Tell Jesus, I feel so alone. What do you need to believe? You need to hear him say again, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I want you to examine your heart where is that ache, that poverty, the lack? What do you need to believe? Because Jesus wants you to believe. And he's so willing to say it again and again and again. I love you. I have a good plan for your life. You are never alone. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we speak to you now from the depths of our hearts. In vulnerability and in trust, we, we open up these aching places to you. And we tell you right now, Lord, what we need, what we're, we're dying to believe is true.
And Jesus, we ask you to answer us in your word. We hear your voice in the word. We know your heart in the word. We're healed in your word. So I ask you to reveal this truth because you are the truth to speak again what we need to hear and grant us the grace to believe it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.